It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Today's show is sponsored by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. On today's show, we're going to discuss the upcoming offseason for the Oklahoma City Thunder. We're also going to rank all of their young players on the roster and a lot more. But first, I want to tell you what Locked On Thunder is and what it's going to be. Of course, it's a daily Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Once sports returns, until then, we'll stay at a Monday, Wednesday, Friday format for the show. We're going to be breaking down the game on the floor, off of it as well from social media and everything in between, the the hypothetical transactions, the actual transactions, just everything you can think of involving the Oklahoma City Thunder, you can find right here on the Locked On Thunder podcast. So again, I'm Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Stiles, it's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And so, I'm a lifelong Oklahoman. I've been a diehard Thunder fan since they announced the move to Oklahoma City. Uh, Before that, I was a huge basketball fan as well uh, with the Dallas Mavericks, Dirk Nowitzki. That era of Mavericks basketball was my favorite. And then we, of course, got the Oklahoma City Thunder here in Oklahoma, and that just switched my allegiances over. Uh, You know, you got to support your state and everything. So I've been through every up and every down, every what-if scenario with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I cannot wait to get started right here on Locked on Thunder. I've covered the team on thundersintentions.com for the last three years. It's been awesome. The support has been great over there, just writing about the team and what moves they should make or shouldn't have made and everything in between over there as well. So it's been a ton of fun covering this team. I cannot wait to get into this new role as the host of Locked on Thunder. I've also uh, hosted Locked on Royals. I do that currently. Currently host the Aerodactic podcast as well if you like the Royals or the Chiefs. I also do play-by-play of high school sports in Oklahoma. So if you are a big high school sports fan, you might have heard me on the Oklahoma Sports Network. That's just a little bit about myself as well. Also over at Cameron University, I'm the sports information assistant. So a lot going on, but this right here is what I'm most excited about, is to be doing the Locked on Thunder podcast. So I hope that you'll stick around for the ride. My biggest thing for this show, I have a ton of great guests already lined up. As soon as I took over this feed, I started DMing and messaging people of of if they want to come on the show or not and getting guests lined up and and really series going. Uh, But I also want to get involved with you guys, the listeners. I think that that's what makes a good podcast. That's what separates different podcasts is the fact that they have the fan base and they have interaction. So that's going to be my main goal of this entire podcast is to hear your opinions and your takes on what's going on around Thunderland, what's going on with the Oklahoma City Thunder from your perspective. So you guys are going to be super important to the show again Tweet me all you want to. You can email the show if you don't have Twitter, lothunderpod at gmail.com. Again, lothunderpod at gmail.com. So I cannot wait to get started right here on the Locked on Thunder podcast. And I took to Reddit earlier this week whenever I you know figured out when we were going to start the show and it was going to be today. And I asked for your questions if you're over there on the Thunder subreddit. So let's get into some of those. Some of you guys asked some great questions that I want to tackle 
on today's show after the break. Again, this, this podcast is sponsored by Built Bar, and we cannot thank the people at Built Bar enough because they sent every host a sample box of their product, and this is the best protein bar you're going to find on the market. It tastes exactly like a candy bar. It is phenomenal. It has 110 calories. It's low in sugar, low in carbs. It's everything you need to get your protein and energy back in you after a workout, before a workout. You can even use it as a meal. It's that filling. It's it's that you know good that you can just skip a meal and go straight to the Built Bar. My personal favorite is the banana nut bread, but they already have some fantastic flavors out there like Every flavor that involves peanut butter and chocolate is obviously going to rank atop of your list. And they have some new flavors coming out later this month that involve cookie dough, and it's going to be amazing. So go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll save $10 off your first order. Again, this is the real deal. This this protein bar is what you need if you're looking for a a great snack or a protein bar, an energy bar, low calories, low carbs, low sugar. What more could you ask for? It even tastes just like a candy bar. Again, that's promo code locked on and go to builtbar.com to use that for $10 off your first order. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I wanted to tackle some of these Reddit mailbag questions. And the first one, of course, comes from Vince McMahon's burner on Reddit. That's an interesting username. And again, I cannot wait to get into more of these mailbags from Twitter and Reddit and things like that because listener engagement is going to be my top priority for this show. Uh, But he asks, do you see the Thunder making any trades this offseason or will Oklahoma City run it back? And so this is an interesting question, right? This is kind of where you want to set the tone for, for the future. I mean, it's clear that this team, all it being fun and exciting, is not necessarily a championship level team. And I think that the Thunder are in an interesting position. They're in a position that a lot of teams would probably envy because they have so much flexibility. If you wanted to argue either side of this debate, I could hear you out and see, okay, I see that point. That's a correct model to think. That's a correct way to think. If you want to tear it all down and rebuild it with just Shea and just Baisley, I get that point. And if you want to try to push all in again, you know, you, you did it with Paul George. If you want to try to push all in again, I can see that as well. Uh, but personally, I think without question, in game one of next season, whenever that may be, whether it's Christmas or earlier or later, the Thunder will no longer have Dennis Schroeder on the roster. They'll no longer have Gallo on the roster. And that's because I think that for Dennis, his trade value is never going to get higher than it is right now. Right now is the time to sell high on him because he the only place for his trade value to go is down. He's played incredible. He's the sixth man of the year without question, in my opinion. He's played great, and a, and a contending team will see that, and they'll want to bring that into their, to their locker room. They'll want to bring that into their team and on the floor. So you've got to get rid of Dennis right now because he's an expiring deal, and expiring deals are always valued in the NBA. They're like gold in the NBA. So that goes for him. And then again, he's played incredibly well this season. So he's going to want to get moved. 
Gallo is a free agent. You're hoping, if you're the Thunder, that you can do a sign-in trade with him and send him wherever he'd like to go. But I do not think that it will be you know, with the Thunder. I do not think that he'll sign, he'll re-sign a deal and, and become a Thunder again next season. I think that the best you're hoping there, if you're the Thunder, is a sign-in trade. So then you move on to Chris Paul. And this is where things get interesting to me. Because when the move was first made, the discussion around Chris Paul was, you have to get rid of him. You have to find a way to unload that salary. You have to attach all of these draft picks with him. You have to get him out of here. You cannot pay him. You cannot pay that contract. But if you truly look deeper into the Thunder's cap situation, Andre Robertson's rolling off the books. Again, we mentioned Dennis Schroeder is going to be traded, I think. Gallo's gone. I think that you can trade Steven Adams on an expiring deal with what he brings to the table. But even if you keep Steven Adams, with what your salary cap and what your books look like next year, you are in position to keep Chris Paul. I mean, it, it is no longer in dire straits of moving that contract. And he's played so well that now the Thunder have a leverage. And I'm interested in that storyline the most out of all this because he's obviously the best player. And I think that it's interesting to see what his trade value will be this offseason compared to what the Rockets did last offseason in giving up picks to just unload him. And I don't think that the Thunder are in that position. I really don't. I, I don't think that the Thunder are in position to have to attach you know, one of these 15 first-round picks or two of these 15 first-round picks to him to move him off the books. I really do not think that they're in that position. I think that they're going to be getting back an asset for him, something of value for Chris Paul if they do decide to move him. Uh, ultimately, though, if I had to bet right now what the roster looks like next year, I don't think Chris Paul's on it. I don't think Dennis Schroeder's on it, and I don't think Delino Gallinari's on it. I really don't. But it's interesting. I think that, that this is what makes the Thunder so fun, is that every offseason, we're not just sitting here twiddling our thumbs, thumbs and wondering what's going to happen. I mean, you can go down this list of guys, and outside of Shea and outside of Baisley, there's a ton of questions about who, you know, who fits where and if they're going to be on the move or if they're going to be here next year. And Chris Paul's at the front of it. And I think that ultimately he'll be gone. But again, I want to stress that I do not believe that he'll be given away for pennies on the dollar, as, 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 mo as most people once did when this trade was first made. So that's a great question from Vince McMahon's burner account on, on Reddit. I like that username again. The second question I got on Reddit was, outside of Shea Gildress Alexander, where do you rank the young guys on this roster? And then he listed, of course, Dort, Ferguson, Diallo, Baisley, etc. And that came from Framus Janko1933. I'm sure that I messed that up, but I apologize. Uh, so this is a great question because the Thunder are looking to rebuild. They're looking to replenish. They're looking to reposition. They're looking to retool. Whatever the re-word that you like to say, retool, rebuild, replenish, whatever it is, if you don't like to call it a rebuild, that's fine. But the Thunder are looking to move forward with a different core. And of course, Shea is at the top of that. SGA, I think, is going to be a star. I think that he's going to be an all-star and a legitimate NBA star. I think he's like an iguana. He, he can change his colors on a dime. He can fit anyone you put around him. I would challenge you right now to go on Twitter or email the show. Who would be a bad fit next to Shea? I think that Shea can fit in with anyone you put next to him. So the fact that you do have Shea puts this rebuild on an accelerated course back to success. 
This will not be a a five-year process. This will not be a six-year process. With Shea, this is going to be about two, maybe three years of losing before you're ready to truly contend again. And I just want to point that out while we're ranking young players is that, yeah, there's a big group of guys in the middle. You named them, Baisley, Dort, Diallo, Ferguson. But your top guy, your blue chip guy, is a great one. It's a great one. And that cannot be undersold along with the 15 first round picks. And you got all of that for Paul George. And of course, the pick swaps with Russell Westbrook and whatever you can get out of Chris Paul. So to your question, where do you rank the young guys? I'm going to have to go Baisley number one. And I get it. A lot of people didn't see it with him out of I guess, New Balance instead of college since he went to the internship route. But a lot of people were puzzled with this pick on draft night. Uh, but I was able to dive into it and look at it, you know, in my article for Thunder's Intentions. And I did a whole film breakdown. And when you watch Baisley, his playmaking is incredible. His playmaking is elite for his position, for his size, his position. He didn't get to show that off this year and as a rookie. You're, 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 there's too many chefs in the kitchen. You've got... You've got Paul handling the ball. You've got Dennis. You've got SGA. He didn't get to to flourish in that playmaking role. And he still played very well. He still played very well. And that's what gives me a lot of encouragement for Baisley. You can run so, so much offense through Baisley. You can put him in the high post and just let him him go. And you see how good SGA is off the ball. That that pairing, I think, is going to be awesome. I think that that pairing of SGA... And Baisley is going to be one that Thunder fans just fall in love with. And they already have. Baisley's played very well this year. He is far and away the best player, I think, of this young core that's not named Shea. Because you're excluding Shea from this list, of course. I I think that this could be the start of Thunder U 2.0. And we'll talk more about that era coming up as a bit of a tease. You want to stay tuned to this podcast because I have a great guest coming up for a great project that I cannot wait to tell you guys about. But right now, it's going to stay under wraps. But just stay tuned for that. But Thunder U 2.0 is off to a great start. You know, Shea and, and, and Baisley are phenomenal on the court. They're even better somehow off of it with social media and their interviews and things like that. So this is going to be a fun time to be a Thunder fan. And I think that Baisley can really take that leap next year. A lot of guys maybe wait till their third year to take a leap. You know, they, they, they have the good first year, second year's all right, and then the third year they make a huge leap. But Baisley, if he can stay healthy next year, and again, he'll be able to, you know, kind of show off his playmaking, which is his best asset, I think, he's going to be in line for a huge, you know, second year in the league. So he's my number one. Dort is going to be my number two. I was in love with Lou Dort since the moment they signed him after the draft. And you can go back and fact check that on Thunder's Intentions. I was in love with him. He was my Deontay Burton. So many of you guys fell in love with Deontay Burton after after the summer league. You fell in love with him. And I always call him, again, fact check me, I've always called him a gimmick. He's a gimmicky player. He looks funny on the court. And so we fell in love with him. Lou Dort is a role player in this league. And that's a great thing to have from an undrafted free agent. At worst, he's a role player in this league. At best, I, I can see him being a top guy off your bench. He's a starter right now. He's played great in that role. Uh, but... If he can develop a three-pointer, then we're talking starter, a consistent three-pointer. And you know what? Whenever you dive into Lou Dort's numbers, his free throw percentage is off the charts. 
And that's very indicative of if a guy can become a perimeter shooter. So that gives me a ton of hope for Dort. I am all in on Lou Dort being a lockdown defender and possibly a good 3 and D guy. And I cannot wait to see what he turns into. He's my clear cut number two. I just cannot get past the elite playmaking ability of Darius Baisley. And that is my blind faith because, again, he has not gotten shown that off a ton in the NBA due to the roster construction around him. Uh, but I still believe he has it. And I like Baisley as a player. I really do. Uh, but Dort is incredible. And I've always praised him since the move was made. Up next, of course, you have Hamadou Diallo. I think that Diallo doesn't get enough credit for how he started this year. He started this year really well, playing good basketball. Of course, he got hurt and things kind of sputtered from, for him from there. Uh, but I, I like Dort right here at three. Again, once you get to Diallo, you're looking at guys who are on a great team, on a good team, on a contending team. Their ceiling is a role player. You know, it's a role player. Diallo's not going to be the difference in this team winning a championship or this team contending and not. But he's a good player, and I still have him above Ferguson. I, I, I've fallen off the Ferguson bandwagon. He's my last one of the young players. I've, I've just totally fallen off of him. I don't think that he has it. I, I really don't. I mean, he played well in stretches of his NBA career. He's played well. Uh, but I, if I had to pick my young guys, all, all of Shea and Baisley and Dort and Diallo, they'd all be ahead of him. I just don't see it anymore, Ferguson. And maybe you guys are still holding out hope for Ferguson. I'd love to know that. I'd love to know what you guys think about the young players. You guys can answer all these questions, again, on the email and on Twitter. But right now, let's take yet another break and talk about our good friends over at Blinklist. Blinklist is one of the most useful apps on my phone. Blinklist is a really unique app because it works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser, and it takes the best and the key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and allows you to listen to them or read them in just 15 minutes. You can get a whole book done, get all of the information needed from that book, in only 15 minutes if you go to Blinklist right now. Again, with Blinklist, you get an unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. All the books you can want for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinklist has a special offer that's just for our audience. If you go to Blinklist.com NBA, try it for free for seven days, and then you'll get 25% off your subscription. Again, that's Blinklist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinklist.com slash NBA to get your first seven days free and 25% off your subscription. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So the next and last question comes from Sam the Swindler, and he basically just points out that he's all for the Thunder entering the tank and just bottoming out the next two years. He mentioned some of the top prospects in the next few draft class and wants to know the opinion and the feeling around tanking. And this is a bit of a loaded question, and it goes back to our first question of the day. The Thunder are in such great position right now because they can pretty much do anything they want to do. 
They have Shea Gildas Alexander, which gives you a blue chip prospect right off the bat. You have Darius Baisley for whatever he turns into. Again, a guy that I think can be a starter in this league for a long time. A guy that has great playmaking ability. You also have 15 first-round picks. And that's nothing to to turn your nose up at. Because, yes, you could turn those into assets by tanking and, and getting them into the high lottery. You can also flip them for other assets, such as a Bradley Beal. Or a star to be named later that gets disgruntled and wants out of there. You know, team out of their current situation, like a Paul George was with Indiana. That happens in the NBA every time you turn around, there's a new star that wants out. And you just hope it's not on your team. So they can do anything they want. And, you know, for the Thunder, again, as I said, whatever route they go, this is not going to be a five-year rebuild. This is not going to be something that takes, you know, four, five, six years to pay off and be contenders again. Whenever you have a guy like Shea, it's going to be accelerated. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to go trade for Bradley Beal or they're going to go trade for a star right now. But they have the assets, too, if they want. Or you can lose for the next two years, hit on one or both of the first-round picks, and be on your merry way. And they're not done acquiring assets. I mean, you go down the list, and this offseason, they could deal Chris Paul... Steven Adams, Dennis Schroeder. They could sign and trade with Gallo. So that's four guys that get you even more assets. Because again, I don't think that Chris Paul is a guy that you have to just push out of the way. He's not a guy that's going to cost you assets to move. I don't care about the contract. He's playing great basketball right now. And the Thunder are no longer in a position where they have to move that contract. So I don't see that being as big of a deal as it once was thought to be. So if you're the Thunder, what avenue do you want to take? It's just your personal preference at that point. For me, I would I would tend to agree with you. You know, the question asker, Sam Swindler, I would tend to agree with you. For a small market team like, like Oklahoma City, you tank next year, maybe the year after. You pair Shea with another young guy or two. And then from there, you hit the ground running, and that's your core. And you just start this process over again. It's easier said than done. I get that. But I I don't think that buying and pairing Shea with a Bradley Beal for a year or two or a rental here and there would do much good. Because let's face it, it's Oklahoma City. So if you bring in a Bradley Beal, if you bring in a disgruntled star, and again, I'm just using Bradley Beal as a name that everyone knows. There's reports that he's not even mad at Washington. He wants to stay in Washington. I'm just using him as a name that everyone knows. So you can really pick your poison here. But for me, I would agree. I would I would think that this team is going to tank you know, next year and spend all year starting Baisley, starting Shea, and starting Dort and, and Diallo, getting these guys experience, and then whoever they draft this year, of course, as well, and just move forward with that group. Of the veterans on the roster, I I could absolutely see Steven Adams coming back. I think that Steven Adams is a guy that you can build around in Oklahoma City. You know, just the the pick-and-roll game between him and Shea is going to be amazing and already has been amazing. So, for me, I think that the Thunder could tank and and maybe even should tank. Uh, But the other side is not out of the picture here. You could see Sam Presti pulling off something crazy this offseason or next offseason. 
Again, that's that's a lot of first-round picks. 15, that would be a lot to spend. You, It would be hard for me to believe that that Sam Presti uses all 15. It'd be very hard for me to believe that. He's going to trade some of them. The question is, is it going to be a huge, you know, just a massive splash? Or is it going to be to complement the young guys that he drafts in the next couple drafts? And Shea, of course, and Baisley. I guess we'll see. But for me, I do side with you. I do think that, hey, this was a fun ride this year. It was a competitive basketball team. It was a scrappy basketball team. Most importantly, it was simply fun to watch them play basketball again. You know, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Mello, those guys, you know, those are names you love, especially Westbrook and George. They were not fun to watch. They were more frustrating than fun. And so for the first time in a long time, Thunder basketball this year got back to being fun. It got back to, you know, playing through an offense really for the first time, you know, since they moved to Oklahoma City uh, for the most part, playing through an offense, having a true system, having a true identity, having a true staple. That's not just ISO ball, your turn, my turn. So this year was an awesome reprieve from what has been going on in, in, in the recent history of the Thunder. But moving forward, you obviously are not going to build around this group, this Gallo, Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder. You're not going to build around these guys long term. But they were a fun team for now. So, again, do I side with you in, in tanking being a good strategy for Oklahoma City and teams like that? I absolutely do. Because you need these guys locked up. You cannot afford to take too many chances on rentals. It's amazing that Paul George resigned. You know, it's, it's amazing. That lasted only a year, and he backed out of it, and he requested a trade and everything. But it's amazing here he signed, period. That is going to be few and far between, no matter how good the culture is, no matter how good the, the, the team is. That's going to be few and far between on these rentals. What you need to do is, is, again, draft the core. And it's easier said than done, but that's why Sam Presti's the best in the business. That's why you have a great front office. It's for small market teams, you're going to have to draft well. You've got to have more Westbrooks, KDs, Hardens, You've got to have more of those guys if you want to be a successful franchise in a small market than Mitch McGarry's campaigns and Josh Eustace's. Now, they don't all have to be three MVPs, of course. But they need to be good players. And Shea is a great start. I cannot stress that enough, how much he's going to accelerate this timeline. This is not going to be a Sixers trust the process rebuild. This is going to be a two or three year thing, I think. Again, if I was a betting man, I would bet two to three years this team is back to being a contender for a NBA championship. Not a playoff team. Not a fun story. Two to three years, they'll have their core for being a contending team. They'll have the core necessary to try to make a run. So it's going to be fun. This ride is going to be fun, and I cannot wait to share it with all of you on the Locked on Thunder podcast I also want to talk about the NBA in general now and move away from the fan questions. I do appreciate everyone who interacted on Reddit, on Twitter. Again, you can always put in your topics, your concerns, your questions for the show on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. But I did want to move into the NBA in general. Obviously, it's on a hiatus right now. The last dance just ended, so now we have nothing to cling to. We have no basketball content to cling to without the last dance. So I wanted to talk about what is going to be the future of basketball. 
So as we sit today on Monday, May 18th, I do think that we see NBA basketball again this season. And I even think that we see regular season basketball again this season. I think it would be strange, to say the least, to encourage teams like the Cavaliers, to encourage teams like the Trailblazers, to encourage teams to go back to their practice facility, to take all the precautions necessary to practice right now voluntarily if you did not plan to let those teams play this season. Let's face it. If you're the Cavs and you're out of the playoffs, if you show up to a volunteer workout today on on May 18th and you show up, you get 50 shots up. Is that going to be the difference between you having a good season next year or a bad season next year? I don't even think it'll be a difference in being good or bad after this break is over and we're back to basketball in July. So what would be the point for those teams to be encouraged and almost pushed by the NBA to go back to their facilities and, and, and practice again? You you see these memos from Woj and, and ESPN saying that, hey, Adam Silver wants as many teams to go back as possible. Why would he be pushing for that if he knew, okay, we're going to go straight to the postseason? And it wouldn't be feasible to ask these guys to ramp up, not only to play basketball again after a two- or three-month layoff, but to ramp up and immediately head into the postseason. It would not be feasible. And then you also get into the regional contracts, you know, the regional TV contracts, Fox Sports Oklahoma. The NBA still owes these regional sport networks. They still owe them games. They didn't hit the threshold needed. I think that on average, they're about five to ten games short per team. So they're going to need to make those games up if they want to cash in that, that contract this year. And maybe they could get a waiver this year and the two sides could come to an agreement and saying, hey, obviously this is a this is a bizarre scenario, one that we've never seen before ever in the NBA. So maybe you guys can relax on the, you know, you didn't give us the right amount of games policy this year. But it would be strange to me if you're encouraging teams like the Cavaliers to go back and practice but yet you had no plan for them to play in the regular season again this year. So as of right now, I would say around July 1st, you know, 4th of July, somewhere in there, we're playing NBA basketball. We're playing regular season NBA basketball. And Chris Paul, of course, the Thunder starting point guard and the head of the Players Association, the president of the Players Association, has made it known, hey, the players want to play. And every report from the players is they want to play. And they don't have the same obstacle as baseball. Baseball is worried right now about revenue sharing and contracts and things like that. The NBA is already on a revenue sharing basis. So they don't have any hurdles contractually to get over in terms of player and owners. I think that this league is going to be back. And I think that it's going to happen sooner rather than later in the sense of we get our announcement and we get the game plan sooner rather than later. If I had to guess right now, again, training camp June 1st, June 2nd, somewhere in there, early June playing games in July. That's what I would guess. Now, that does not mean that it's foolproof. That does not mean that there are without questions surrounding an NBA return. And they've made it known, hey, if a guy gets coronavirus, it's pretty much like an injury. He's going to sit out. He's going to quarantine. He's going to take the necessary precautions. He's going to need to pass, I think they said, two tests before he can come back and, and, and be, he has to pass two tests negatively for a coronavirus to come back. And it's just like if you lost a guy to a sprained ankle, only you lost him to coronavirus. That's interesting to me. You know, 
that's really that really is because the odds say if you're going to do a, a bubble style campus style event in Vegas or Disney World, if you're going to do that and you're that close knit together, you're rooming in the same hotel rooms, you're traveling on the same buses, that if one guy gets it, he's likely come in contact with enough of the team to where that would significantly unload that roster. I mean, we saw how fast it spread already with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, as well as Christian Wood, and you know the four or five nets that had it as well. This thing is spreading fast. So I'm not sure how that plan would work of, okay, we'll just let that one guy quarantine and we'll keep the show rolling. And then you also have all the other obstacles of just the simple campus style. I mean, how does that work? On paper, it's very fun. Put them all in Disney World. Put them all in a resort. And then let's just have games. Everyone's in quarantine. Everyone's locked down. Just have games from noon to midnight. No overlap games. Just stagger them like the NCAA tournament. Let's watch them all day long for a month or two. And then let's crown a champion. That would be awesome. But I can understand where some players might not feel comfortable with that. And then that's where you get into the next obstacle. What if a player says he doesn't want to play? He's, he's scared. And I, and I don't use that word demeaningly. I'm scared to, to, to go out to Walmart or to go different places. And I'm in Oklahoma where we're already in phase two. We've already moved past phase one. We're almost reopened, baby. And I'm scared to go out. So I wouldn't blame a player that, that said he wouldn't want to be stuck in, in a confined space with all these other guys. You know, in the, in the scary scenario. There's a lot of obstacles to overcome, and I'm not belittling that at all. But again, if I had to guess right now, I would say we have NBA basketball back. In the early part of July. July 1st, July 4th, somewhere in there. Play 10, maybe, regular season games. Maybe 10 games to get everyone loose. And also, of course, the biggest part of it would be to make up the regional TV deals. So you play those 10 games. Go to the postseason, finish out the postseason, and then we're rocking and rolling with our normal offseason content. And then the next season starts, of course, on Christmas Day, which should be a permanent change in the NBA in general. You could have listened to Mark Cuban, Mavs owner, on Pardon My Take Friday. He has said on there that he has been pitching this idea to the NBA for a long time. And... I think that the NBA should start on Christmas Day. I mean, it would make the most sense. Christmas Day is already known as an NBA day, as a day that you just sit around and watch the NBA, even if you're not an NBA fan. Uh, it's it's the day that casual NBA fans say is the start of the season, you know, because football is winding down a little bit and you're, and you're starting to pay attention more to basketball. It would make a lot of sense. And then you move your playoffs and your, you know, NBA championship further into the summer where there's not a lot going on. You know, there's already not a lot going on in June, but, you know, down the stretch of your season, instead of the stretch portion of March being in the middle of March madness, it's now in the middle of what, July? You know, it's now in the middle of June when you're watching, uh, you know, 80, you know, the the 82nd baseball game of the year. Yeah, I'll take the, I'll take the the playoff uh, basketball being played over the summer classic. No problem. So I think that the, the Christmas Day start time and just changing the whole calendar is interesting, and it's something that the NBA is going to do. And that's going to be the most interesting part of this layoff, you know, for all sports, is what all changes, what all adjustments are made to each sport. You know, you look at baseball again. They're implementing a DH for both leagues, you know, for this 
for if they can play this year, if they can come to agreement, they will have a DH. Does that stick? You know, for the next, you know, for for the next you know time period and forever, does that stick? It should. Does Christmas Day stick? It should. So what all changes about sports moving forward is interesting. But again, if I had to predict right now, I am my gut is telling me, again, this is just my opinion. It's not something I've been told. It's not something that's factual. It's my opinion. Basketball training camp opens up in early June. Start playing games in July. They do play regular season games. That's my opinion right now. And of course, with everything surrounding COVID-19, Everyone has the right to change their opinion as much as we get new information. I mean, think about how fast this COVID-19 scenario has changed over the last you know year, since January. I mean, it seems like what we knew in January is just, well, it, it factually is a fragment of what we know now. I mean, it, it's insane how much overload of information we've had to come to terms with this coronavirus. But again, I do think that we'll see NBA basketball back, and I cannot wait, and I know all of you cannot wait as well. But until sports returns, this show will be released on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Also in the description below of wherever you're listening to this podcast at. You can also email the show if you do not have Twitter. You can email lothunderpod at gmail.com. Again, lothunderpod at gmail.com. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you get your podcasts from. Make sure you never miss an episode of Locked on Thunder. Tweet at me your what-ifs, your favorite what-ifs in Thunder history, or if they're bad what-ifs, your least favorite what-ifs in Thunder history. Tweet those, email those for Wednesday's show. That's going to be a fun one to record. I already have a few from Reddit, but if you guys want to put your input in, again, on Twitter or the email, feel free. I cannot wait. Also, let me know what you liked about the show. And even what you did not like about the show, I'm always open to constructive criticism. So be good and be good to one another. And check out Hollinger and Duncan's podcast right now on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.